Good morning, everyone. Okay, so before we get in, I was thinking about more things that you guys were asking. Um, I know each class is like preface for something outside, but you keep asking me questions and then like the whole day I end up thinking about them and I'm like, okay, I, I should share because uh, usually at the beginning of the year, the girls like just sit and like listen and take notes. Um, so I haven't like had that opportunity to really think about a lot of these things, but you guys really did bring up a few times this question of like, if we're not being motivated by fear, you know, how are we going to be able to, you know, take certain steps? I don't remember the exact wording of the question. I seem to remember that you asked me something along those lines about, like, yeah, being so motivated by fear. Motivated by fear and, sh- like, should you just, like, ignore that totally? Yeah. So can I ask yeah. For a yeah, sure. Because in Rabbi Kaufman's class, we were talking about how um, Hashem's, like, choosing to be king that day. And it could be possible that he's and he chooses not to be. Um, but then, like, we know what the outcome is, and he was saying that it doesn't matter what we know what the outcome is, because it's been every year in God that he does um, choose, but we should focus, like, on our, our like, the, yeah, the process to get there. But then I was like, so isn't that even adding more fear? Like, mm. you know? And if you're like, maybe God's not gonna... Yeah. And maybe like, God's not gonna... Yeah, and make we the talked world. about how, like, yeah. Chabad's, like, like, like mindset of like uh, going into Rosh Hashanah shouldn't be like as much fear as, as other things mm. so that just added to my mm. okay question. okay so so I'll start with that with the second question first and then go to, to the fear thing because I was thinking about it and then I was going back to the Alter Rebbe's mind when I realized there's a thought I missed out on that can help a little bit but um, when it comes to that element the Rebbe was very with this whole kind of process of teshuva the Rebbe said that at the end of the day he needs to be motivated by bitachon you guys heard of bitachon mm. bitachon is trust that the outcome is going to be good not only in a like spiritual way but in a revealed physical tangible way and trusting right now that it's going to be good and so the Rebbe's like perspective part of his perspective of preparing for Rosh Hashanah and of teshuva was one of bitachon I trust fully, and I'm not even worried that God is going to renew, you know, renew the world in Rosh Hashanah, that he's going to forgive us, that he's going to help me to do teshuva. And bitachon leads to joy, because when you have no worry, then you're happy. So these two things are like very much connected uh, in the Rebbe's perspective on teshuva. So we, when we approach Rosh Hashanah with this trust but like a real trust that it's going to be good in a revealed way and that God is going you know we're going to blow the shofar it's going to be, God is going to be our king that's actually also what leads him to become our king because when we truly the aspect of bitachon is that when we truly believe something will be good then it becomes good like it, it changes the reality and makes it good mm-hmm. our bitachon is able to actually change like the future basically and our destiny so so yeah, the whole approach is there's this big thing happening and you, you could get scared about it, but we trust. We trust God. We trust God he's going to choose us, right? Not only because he has a good track record, right? But because we trust him, yeah. right? And so, and then we can really take that trust also into our, our teshuva. Like you can be looking at one element um, of our life that just looks way too hard to change right now. Like, you know what? I trust God he's going to help me with that. Um, and I'd also leave certain things up to him, like have trust in him that he's going to help us do the things he wants us to do. And when we do that, then the truth is, and God does. Um, and I've just been, there's like this whole, has anyone heard of Joe Dispenza? Yeah. Yeah. So I just like came across one of his books. I started reading the beginning and I was like, well, it's like basically scientifically explaining what Shar, um, 
Habitachon, the book of Vitachon says how like if you truly believe something, your future is going to change just from the power of your mind. Like there's this philosophy, like the Rebbe told many, many people to learn this book, which that's the premise of the book, that if you truly don't worry and you truly trust God, the outcome will be good, not just like good that when you get up to heaven, you'll realize it's good. Good right now in the physical way, exactly what you want. And then there's like actually like science explaining that, which is so cool. Um, he has a few books. The one I started reading is um, Transcending. Would you know what it's called? Oh, I saw the in Florida. Oh, really? One of the things, just because he's yeah, a lot of my people that I knew. Very cool. And, he's a very um, cool guy. So yeah, his conferences in Florida. Every, yeah, yeah, but it was yeah, very. And interesting. it's very interesting because mm-hmm. it really explains like certain things that we really learn. It's called Sharabitachon. Uh, it's part of Chovot Halavavot. It's actually it's not a Hasidic sefer. Um, the Rebbe encouraged many, many people to learn it. They actually have an English Hebrew version available in, I think they might have one here, um, but in Hechel Menachem we saw a beautiful English Hebrew version. And it's a really powerful book. Expl- like really going through um, this process oh, of what okay. Bitachon is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the Rebbe was very into Bitachon when it came to, um, when it came to Teshuvah. And as I explained, the difference, so the Altar Rebbe ends off um, the Alter Rebbe ends off as Anila Dodi saying, like, if this doesn't work and this doesn't work and this doesn't work, then, you know, you need to break yourself, etc. The Rebbe says, if this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, have bitachon in Hashem that is going to help you. Because God doesn't give us challenges that we can't overcome. That's essentially the hardest thing. Bitachon is the hardest Why would I trust in, like, you have to trust so many other things. You have to trust yourself because there's so many bad things you did. You have to, like, Believe in yourself, and then you have like I don't know. Why would he forgive you? Why would he forgive you? So that's really the question of this mime. <laughs> how can we how can we tap into an energy where God will forgive us no matter what we no matter what we did? Right. Um, so on a bitachon level, because we're going to get into how teshuva actually affects like all. Remember we said teshuva and God's mercy come from the same place, the same source. And when we tap into the Yudkim we're automatically tapping into a power to do teshuva, which, which, which enables us to be forgiven. So we're going to discuss that process. But when it comes to bitachon, um, we can, again, it's, it's the idea that we can change the outcome just through trusting. Now, the process of trusting is very difficult to get to that place that we truly don't worry. But... I I trust that I can switch the outcome with my trust, but, I mean, I know. I just think it's, like, a crazy level. I do hear that. I've I've actually thought about this question before, and I don't remember the... Because it's, like, the rabbi does end up saying, just trust God, and it's like, yeah, but that's so hard. Like, um, So... I think the conclusion I came to when I thought about this last year was act as if you trust God. If you trusted God, what would you do? How would you behave? If you truly trusted God, he's going to just forgive you for everything. How would you behave differently now? What actions would you do differently? What mindset would you have differently? And go with that. So act as if you trust that God is going to forgive you. And then you're going to tr- come to trust in God, and God is definitely going to forgive you, especially if you're acting that way already, because that's like what you need. Like, that, yeah, yeah. Something that I, like, kind of realized, because each time, I have, like, cycles where it's, like, 
I pray every morning, then I don't. And then I do, and then I don't. Or then I, I do this all the, all the time, but then I don't. And each time that I, like, start doing it again, where I'm like, okay, like, I need to do this for myself, or, like, I want to do this. It's like, I started praying every morning, and at first I'm just like, I want to do it, but I don't feel anything. And, I, and it's upsetting, because I remember the last time I did it, I felt things. And I just have to remind myself each time, like, the more I do it, the closer I feel. So it's like the second time I felt a little more, but I, it's like a frustrating process where you don't feel anything until you do. 100%. 100%. Um, the rebel was very into that, that because someone you once wrote a rebel to the letter, say, uh, le- letter to the rebel saying that um, he's going to start keeping Torah and mitzvahs once he fully understands everything. Like he's first like going through a process of like trying to understand and then he's going to take it on. And each thing that he fully understands and is able to process, he'll take on. And the Rebbe answered him, he said, if somebody goes to the doctor and the doctor tells them that they have a life-threatening illness and they have to start taking this medication today, what happens if the person responds, okay, listen, I'm going to go to university to study this medication because I have no idea what you're telling me to do. And um, once I fully understand like what you're trying to put into my body, then I'll, I'll start the treatment. What's going to happen if somebody does that? They won't be alive to start the treatment, God forbid. And so the idea, the idea is the same in our spiritual life. If we sit back and say, we're going to wait to feel. We're going to wait to feel tribitachon before we actually trust God. We're going to wait to feel um, love and excitement for God before we actually start to serve God with joy and be happy. In our, um, we're going to wait for these things to happen. We're going to wait for the understanding and the light bulb moment. We're not going to get there. We're not going to get there because the actions that we're doing, even when we don't understand them, is considered like the medicine. It gives us the koach to be able to feel. Like, does that make sense? It's almost like a CAC-22. If you're waiting to feel, you're not doing the things you need to do in order to feel. So, yeah, and prayer is definitely a big one like that. Um, and then back to, I was thinking because, remind me your name, I'm so Aria. sorry. Aria. Um, you were asking yesterday about, like, is it all or nothing? Like, if we're just going all into love and joy and bitachon and trust, like, where is the boundaries? Where is the, the, the fear, right? Where, where is the fear? We, we often associate fear also with boundaries, right? And just, like, I'm going to stop doing this. Just, like, um, what's a better word than boundaries? Like, I'm going to stop doing some discipline as well. Um, restrictions, discipline. And we know that there is an element of that in Judaism, like, 100%. Like, that halakha is... is I mean, we don't like to think of it as restrictions, but that's 100% what it is. Um, it's, and it's discipline as well. I was watching a video of um, professional athletes, and majority of them said, we never in once ever felt like going to practice. We never once felt like training. We never once, and you don't think about that. You think that, oh, they like to do this because they do it. But that kind of was an eye-opener for me because here they are for 20, 30 years of their life never feeling like they ever wanted to do it. The wow. thing that they were good at, but yet they did it anyway. And wow. And they came out on top. Then I related that as like a mother sometimes. Like, I don't feel like being a parent. You know, I don't want to, I don't feel, but you do it. Yeah. And, and the more like you that. do, the more you feel. Right. Mm-hmm. The more you do, the more you feel. Well, because it also brings up questions and stuff. Like, I've had this in death too. I just like, don't feel like going, but I know when I go, like, it's fun and like, like things come up as you go when you're doing it, you're like, oh, how does this move like actually work? Or same with davening, you're like, oh, right, what does this prayer like actually mean? Or, or why do we take the three steps back, the three steps forward? Like it brings up more questions mm-hmm. as you do. Like, and then you do get you get more and more of an understanding. You can start from a place of I don't know what I'm doing, but as you as you walk through that process, then you get to a place where you start to ask questions and understand more. Mm-hmm. We it's very important to understand. 
like what we're doing. It's very important to feel emotions for what we're doing. But if we sit back and we're waiting for those to come first, then um, we're never going to get in the game, you know? So, um, however, within this whole process of teshuva and of elo, as much as we've been emphasizing, we're going to approach it with joy, with trust, with love, right? Um, there is an aspect of discipline that comes with it. And this is kind of what I was saying yesterday, but I want to like touch on it a little more, and then we're going to again get into the mimer. <laughs> you just make me think about all these things, and I'm like, I'm only thinking about this because of your question, so I should share what I've been thinking. Otherwise, it's like you keep it to myself. <laughs> exactly. That's good. We, we're 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 putting them um, we're putting them together. Um, in the mimer, the first Ani Ladodi, which I was which I was laying out for you Arlie I completely skipped like a very important part I didn't have it in front of me so I I forgot um that when the altar Rebbe goes from the mashal and the nimshal of the king in the field and explaining the power of Elul and then he continues into the whole discussion of teshuva that we've been talking about right arousing mercy on your soul and asking God to help you and and the process that the altar Rebbe lays out the first thing he lays out as an introduction to this whole concept of teshuva is he brings a pasuk that says, Uvikashtim misham etavaya elokecha. And you will seek out from there Hashem your God. And the altar says, What's there? You will seek out from there. What do you mean from there? Where's there? Aren't we here? And so the altar explains that there, here, when we say here, when we say ze, anytime we say ze, ze keli van veil, this is my God and I will worship him. We're speaking about God being present and in front of us and being connected with him. When we say there, we're talking about this concept of like the desert, where we find ourselves wandering and far away and not in this like direct relationship. So when we say you've got to seek out God from there, the altar experience from there is the place where we lost touch with him. It's those moments where we got desensitized. Um, and we need to, where can we tap into the power for teshuva and start to feel again? By seeking out God from there, from the place where we lost touch with him. And... Um, there's an interesting story that, that relates this idea that there was once a guy who was, who had, he had like a bag of diamonds. He was walking home and he dropped it somewhere and he didn't know where it was. So he started to, um, you know, he, he started to look and look and look. He went, he was under this lamppost. He was looking and looking all over, looking all over. And his neighbor came over to him and said, what, what are you doing? He said, I lost my bag of diamonds. I'm looking for it. So he said, oh, I'll help you look. Where was the last place you remember having it? So he said, oh, two, two blocks away. He said, so why are you looking here? He said, oh, here's a, there's a light, there's a street lamp here. So there's light here, you know, it's dark there. Um, so he's like, no, you need to go, you need to go to the place. You don't look for God in the light. You don't find those moments. like, and again, this is a bit opposite to what we've been saying until now, but it is an important point that the altar Rebbe brings. Um, sometimes when we want to resensitize ourselves and start to feel and reconnect, we, we, we look at all the beautiful moments and we focus on the happy, easy days, but sometimes we need to go back to the place where we lost touch and take a realistic, honest look at our lives and ask ourselves, where did I get, where along this path did I get desensitized? We said sin is really just a process of desensitization. And sometimes it's not even outright sin. Sometimes it's, it's just the environment we've found ourselves in, the movies that we're watching, the things that we're seeing that just, that just by default desensitize us to those things which enliven and excite us in our relationship with God. So look, look there, look in, and misham is actually within ourselves. 
And the Altarabi starts off this whole process of tshuva by starting with this point. And so it's the idea of what we call cheshbon nefesh, of actually taking stock. Because at the end of the day, as much as the motivation behind this entire process always has to be one of joy and trust, not one of guilt, not one of shame, that is going to spiral. Like that, that is how we work in the strategy. We start with feeling guilty, that goes to feeling ashamed, then that goes to feeling depressed. When we're depressed, we cannot serve God. We cannot. Like the ultimate expression of the Yetzirah is depression. So, and that's like, start, that's not even the Rebbe, that starts from the Tanya. Um, but the Rebbe emphasized this tremendously. So, even within this process, which is necessary, we mustn't think, okay, we're in Elul, we're in Tush, we're going to just be happy. Um, we have to be honest with ourselves because we want to be able to be sensitized again. And so we can't keep doing the things that are constantly desensitizing us as much joy and trust and love in God that we have and doing positive things. If we don't start to do the things that are making it harder for us to do the positive things, we're going to be going, there's going to be a tremendous tension. So we do need to take stock. We do need to be honest with ourselves and we do need to start to change and to maybe say, okay, I'm going to put a block on my phone. Okay, I'm not going to go to that place anymore. Okay, I'm going to make sure that I have somebody with me when I speak to those people that I, that I you know. I'm going to put boundaries up in my life so that I, cannot, I can stop getting desensitized. So, and, but, but again, so this is an important point. This is an important part of the process. We're not just... We're not just saying, okay, do good, do good. And at the same time, well, I'm going to keep on doing all those things that are making it really hard for me to do good. The question is, again, coming back to the idea, what is the motivation behind that? What is the motivation behind that and that looking back and that honesty with ourselves? It has to be one of trusting God, of believing in teshuva, of knowing that we've changed, of being happy in where we're holding and being happy in general, just a happy mood. And the Rebbe was very emphatic that cheshbon nefesh isn't supposed to happen all the time. Like we're not supposed to ever, like all day, like, oh, okay, check in, check in. We have to set specific times to do it. So we have, there's a time of Kriyat Shema at night throughout the year when we take stock of our day. There's Rosh Chodesh is considered a time of cheshbon nefesh, the beginning of the new month to look back. Um, and Elul is a time of cheshbon nefesh, but even within Elul, set times for it. Because if you're in the middle of praying, or if you're in the middle of doing something, or an important conversation with somebody, you're helping somebody out, and suddenly you remember something, and if you don't have boundaries within when you're going to actually sit down and take a look at that, it's going to take over your life, and it's not going to be a positive thing. So it has to be in a set time, in a set environment, in a good spirit, in a good mood. Don't be like, in a funk and be like, okay, now let's go and start looking at all the things I did. That's in a good mood, with a good attitude, and be honest and say, what boundaries can I put up? Because there, there is the element of boundaries, which does come from year up. What things am I going to stop doing so that it can be easier for me to do the things I want to do? Um, so that's just an important point I did want to bring up as well. Sorry, yeah. I just, Don't say sorry. <laughs> my question's a little bit stupid, but how do you go to the place where you're desensitized if it's desensitized? Ah. Uh, so, so it means find, just take a look, take, yeah, the source of it. Like, okay, so, yeah, no, so when we say the place, we don't mean tap into that, like, energy and feeling. We mean, take a look at your past and be like, and again, it doesn't have to be from the day you're born, although the Altarby does kind of say that, like, from the day you're born, <laughs> we don't need to do that. Um, <laughs> take a look and say, okay, I used to daven and feel something. Now I'm diving, I don't feel anything. What happened? Okay, okay, so what were, when was a time that you felt maybe excited about something? 
And maybe it wasn't even about God, that you just felt happy with life. Because it's important that we're happy with life, <laughs> okay? Again, like we have to be in order to be, um, in order to be Jews that are sustain- sustainable religious Jews, okay? When was I happy with my life? And positive and looking at a good future and I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't know where you're holding my, like, what changed? Why am I not feeling that now? Where, when was I feeling motivated? And then what changed? Where did that process happen? And then we, for everyone, it's going to look very, very, very different. Where is the place and the moment? It doesn't have to be big moments, it be very, very, very small things. But the moment where, where, um, the desensitization started to happen. And it could be something that you just, you grew up with, took for granted that, you know, this is part of life, but then you realize, oh, this actually makes it really hard for me to connect with, with my godly soul. So it may be something that you've done your whole life. You never had a period where you did it and didn't do it. It's like, okay, but this is something that, that I really see. It makes it all like, I notice that if I, I don't know, if, if I watch TV late into the night and then I wake up in the morning and I'm praying and I, all I can think about is the show, Okay, even though I've been watching TV my whole life at night, like maybe that's making it harder for me right now and maybe I can put boundaries around TV at night. Like I'm just giving an, an example, but it's not necessarily like there was a big break. Like there was you doing your thing and then there was like a moment and you left. Some people have that. Some people do have like, they were, let's say, example, religious their whole life. They have a moment, they break away. It usually happens slowly, but, and then they leave everything and then they want to come back. Okay, some people have big moments, but usually it's very, very, very small things. Sometimes things we take for granted, sometimes things we grew up with our whole life that um, just make it really hard to do the things that we find important to us right now. Maybe those things weren't important to us before, so it wasn't a problem, but right now it's important and it's getting in the way. I keep bringing up like TV and things like that because I know for myself, like, um, grew up watching movies in my house, like, you know, censored and whatever, but still. Um, and as I started to like, try to like take my prayer more seriously things like that I noticed that like there was a real there was a real like friction between those two things um for me personally so that's why I bring it up but it's it looks very different for different people different environments you find yourself that in means different... that you even had the sensitivity to realize that that's what that that's you. what made me like, I don't feel like I could happen to that's what I'm saying like I don't know what caused the desensitivity I don't know. Like, I'm trying to look back to, like, where it stopped, but I don't know. Okay, so what you can do is you can even start with yesterday. Like, you don't have to go back so far. Like, be like, okay. Like it's, it's, it takes being really honest with yourself, and usually it's not very big things. But, like, maybe you just didn't drink enough water. Like, I'm, I, I know that sounds really funny, but, like, there's, there's a chassid Ruven Dunan, okay? He was a... Um, he was like, a, he was grew up religious. He left everything behind, moved to a kibbutz in Israel, like in the time where they were much mamish building Israel, and he was like a kibbutznik. And then he had like a tshuva moment. He met um, he met a mashpia here in Israel. He became like a bar, like a tshuva. He used to he used to cry at Krishna like every night, sob his eyes out, you know, doing tshuva. And then his first meeting with the Rebbe, he went and he related to the Rebbe like his process of tshuva, how he would cry and cry and cry, and how. Um, and um, he asked her about to give him a derech and tshuva, like a path, like a step. I said, what should I do so I know I'm forgiven for all the things I did? And, and the Rebbe like totally ignored the question and asked him, do you know how to drive a tractor? And he was shocked because driving a tractor for him represented his kibbutznik days, you know, like, why are you going back there? And the Rebbe said, I think you should start driving a tractor again. And he ended up moving to Haifa and he drove a tractor and he was like the chassid who drove a tractor and he, he made, he brought so many, 
um, Jews back to Judaism, like through, anyway, the Rebbe basically gave him the message, like, like, and the Rebbe, I think, told him that you'll know when you're, like, when the, like, the time of tshuva has come, and, like, when, when you're, like, when you're forgiven, you'll know, and then many, many years later, the Rebbe had, like, a whole, um, gave a whole sicha about tshuva, and he related that he felt like that was his for him, like a message for him. Because it's also like we think that this is some external things. That we, like, like Rosh Hashanah is also about the time that we have to understand that our past doesn't define like specifically our future. And like mm-hmm. the fact that like all those external things happening, we we feel like well, the fact that I'm like. I, I don't know whatever like for whatever like the fact that I'm gonna um, the, the fact that I'm gonna listen to Goish music mm-hmm. like that's gonna like that's gonna be it for the process of you know what I mean it's like all or nothing kind of mm-hmm. attitude and you think that you're like the fact that you're like feeling towards like listen like listening to this like to this music or something defines who you are right now mm-hmm. but at some point you really have to understand that like it's all about your like internal like you have to you have to speak to your internal desires and internal mm-hmm. wills like that like you know like uh, kind of motivate you to to do those things mm-hmm. not like the fact that oh, uh, okay I'm gonna wear a t-shirt or something like I don't know like <laughs> but not the ex- like not the external expressions per se but like internal motivations to do certain things and like mm-hmm. to be like. Like the fact that I'm writing a tractor doesn't does, that doesn't mean that like I reconnected to the past that I had right. and something like you yeah. Know what I mean? like, so there's actually the reason I told that story is to introduce you to this Ruben Duvin character because he once he was um, a bachar by the Rebbe and he went to the Rebbe and he said Rebbe I can't do it anymore this is way too hard like I just can't do it anymore and the Rebbe asked him have you eaten breakfast and he's like no <laughs> <laughs> go eat breakfast and go tell me exactly what you ate. <laughs> So he practically went back and he gave him an entire account. Made the Rebbe laugh. This is, this is the story I just read. He gave an entire account of every single thing you put in his mouth. The Rebbe started to laugh. Sometimes, um, this is Ruben Dunin. He was like a very funny character, apparently. Um, but but that's, that's the, I introduced you to Ruben because I want to tell you that story. Because at the end of the day, sometimes it's really not such big things. Sometimes it's, it's like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm prioritizing myself so that I can actually take my growth seriously. And I have to take it... Like, it, so sometimes we can start with yesterday because I, I, <laughs> sometimes it's like oh my gosh I have to look back at my whole year I have to look back at my whole life I don't know like that's so big that's so big well yesterday I really like I don't know I really wanted to, to daven I know the importance of Edel and davening and just this came up this came up this came up why what, what was coming up what was, what was stopping me from doing the thing I wanted to do what can I maybe put in place that I'll make sure it's a priority um Sometimes it's very, very practical things. Rebbe was very into taking on hachlatot and resolutions that are easy, that we know that we can do, and that we can start right now today. And then what's going to happen with all that When we take the actions, we tap into tshuva, as we're going to see. Tshuva fixes the past. Because tshuva comes from such a high level. Pardon? Even the things you don't know you did. Yeah. Even the things you don't know you did. Because when you truly tap into the truth of who you are, the truth of who you are transcends your past. It's a, it's a part of you that's untouchable. And so when you can tap into that, the idea of truth is radical almost because when we're truly able to reconnect with the truth of who we are and become like in touch with that, Teshuva has this ability to actually change the past and turn the things that desensitized us into mitzvahs because they become 
the motivation for our reconnection to God. They become the fuel. Oh my gosh, I did like I did this, this, and this, and it like really like knocked me off balance, and I really want to change. And that becomes like a motivation and a fire and a fuel. And because that was a fuel that allowed you to connect to God in a deeper way, those things become mitzvahs because they served you on your path to reconnecting. Yeah, isn't there a similar concept in like Alcoholics Anonymous where like the ultimate um, like step where you've kind of recovered is you can go and have a drink with friends and it's not going to conceive you. Like you can go back to doing the thing that caused so much damage in your mm-hmm. life and just like just enjoy it and like use it as a way to connect with people or like whatever, like the yeah. positive benefits of drinking rather than like it leading you down this whole dark hole. Yeah. So the Rambam so says that you know you've done teshuva when you find yourself back in the exact same situation that you were in before. The Rambam says this, and you don't do the same thing that you did. Yeah. That's how you know. Now, that doesn't mean we have to go back now to every, I don't know, nightclub we ever were and like, be like, okay, <laughs> I'm here. You don't have to do that. But, but that's how we know. When things, when, things become, um, when things become less of a challenge in those areas, we know we've, we've gotten past them. Yeah. Yeah, so the reason I started this whole conversation is just that we should know that there is an element of discipline, there's an element of reflection, there's an element of boundaries that does come along with this whole process of being a Jew and of this time of Elul and of preparing for Rosh Hashanah, Uh, but to always remember that the motivation needs to be one of positivity. And if we find that we just can't, that every time we go down that path and every time we start to try and do these calculations, where did I get lost, um, what boundaries should I take on, if we notice that that's taking us down a rabbit hole, then just... Put it aside and focus on doing good things. Like focus on adding things. Um, uh, there's this concept in, um, in nutrition called nutrition by addition. Has anyone heard that? Like so many people focus on, okay, what am I going to cut out to be healthy? I'm going to cut out this. I'm going to cut out this. And there's an approach that says, okay, well, why don't, like a much more sustainable approach, what am I going to add? What am I going to add into my diet that's healthy? Like eat um, like, but add stuff that's healthy. Like if yeah. you like toast for breakfast, like add like arugula or something on it so yeah like, instead of saying i'm never eating bread again like well what can you add because that can also so so hmm. if we find ourselves getting down a spiral of like feeling um and we really see this with food a lot but anyway with like guilt scarcity anything like that and it's don't focus there focus on what you can add and the rebel is very into that take on more things learn more torah get more excited about god do that the rest will it'll sort itself out and maybe one day you'll feel in a place where you can look back and you can put boundaries up and you can see where to change. But the focus needs to always be on looking forward and on a positive direction. It's very, very important. It's like the whole concept like, of like becoming Valchuva. Like if you do it in a way that's like, like you, like you actually want to take on mitzvahs, you actually, whatever, that like all the things in the past like turns it and it brings you up to even a higher level. Yeah. Than like, um, yeah. Like other, like it's that thing of like when you break the rope between you and God, and then when you like when you tie it, a knot, it's, it's, it's a much stronger. Oh wow! I never thought of that. It's actually a shorter rope <laughs> now. Shorter, so I always think that it's wait, stronger. That? Yeah, that's that very interesting. Like between you and God, there's a rope. Yeah, and when you don't do mitzvahs, like the rope breaks. Mm-hmm. So then when you like take on a mitzvah, or when you like kind of like. Mm-hmm whatever yeah it reties it Mm -hmm. and what happens when you tie a rope it 
brings it makes the rope shorter. So it brings and it also makes the rope stronger. Yeah. A rope with knots is stronger than yeah. just a rope. Like I remember once we did like a we were learning about chuva once. I think when I was I don't even remember when this was. And they showed us like how you can like, break a rope, but when you tie a knot again, like it doesn't break. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a power into shuva that gets us to a level and a place which we couldn't have gotten if we'd never gotten desensitized. But in like the first we also place. should just go and be desensitized. We so have much. enough. We have enough of those things happening to us. We don't have to seek them out. No. No. Um, okay, let's get in. We have 10 minutes. We're, gonna, we're speaking about Mamale Kolomen and Sovav Kolomen. And we're talking about different levels of God, okay? And the reason we're talking about different levels of God is because we're going to start to put in where does Torah fall in in the levels of God, where do mitzvahs fall in, and then we're going to see where does Teshuvah fall in, where do the Yud Gimel Tarachamim fall in, um, into these levels, and in, into these manifestations, expressions of God as uh, in his relationship to the world. So we spoke at length about Mamalekal Omen last. We, we spoke about one and we didn't speak about the other. Or maybe I'm, maybe I'm mistaken. Oh, we spoke about both, but we didn't read it inside, yeah. right? So let's, let's, so do you guys, hopefully we can remember there's two lights of God. There's the, what's called the encompassing light. Sovev surrounds, that is not revealed, that is infinite, that is unified, it doesn't split up, and it gives to everything equally, doesn't take into account the creations that are receiving. Then there is the individualized light, the mamalekal omen, that fills all the worlds that gives to each creation according to its capacity for receiving and that splits up and that is limited. And God uses both of these lights to continuously create the, recreate the world at every single moment. Sovev Kalamit comes from a much more infinite, lofty level of godliness. Mamali Kalamit comes from a lower level, so it's a more condensed, limited light. Sovev is a much more infinite, unified light. And... Um, if you want to look at this chart for a second, you see all the way at the top, the white circled Keser. That is the source for Sov of Kalman, comes from Keser. It gives to everything equally. It's much higher on the hierarchy of all of these Sephirot. And for Chochmah, all the way on the right, right, you see the, the gray one on the right all the way at the top, that's considered the source of Mamale Kalman. That's the beginning of Seder Ishtashtot. We're going to speak more about Seder Ishtashtot a little bit later in the year and understand, not, not too much later, but just not, not like before Rosh Hashanah. Um, but there is a hierarchy within the lights that God uses to create the world. And um, Kessler's all the way at the top. Kesar means a crown. It sits above the world. It sits above creation. It's higher than creation, but it also gives to creation. That's where Sovev Kalman comes from, that light that is so powerful that it doesn't permeate in a revealed way. We can't tangibly connect to it. It's too lofty, but it is bringing, it's the power that is, exists to create creation. And then Mamale comes from Chochmah. That's really God's, from God's wisdom. That's really more individualized. So we're going to get into this, this chart and these ideas Actually, also throughout the mimer, we're going to speak a little bit about what these um, funny lines between them are. Um, we'll get to it soon. But for now, Sovav comes from a very, very high place. Mamale comes from a little bit of a lower place. Okay? Two lights. And let's read inside. Page 12, sec, um, last paragraph. Aval, however. Wait, did we read Vahainu? No, 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 no. Where are we? No. I think we're on page 11. Oh, you know why? Because I taught... I was teaching the shluchas, I guess. Okay, we're on page 10. Second paragraph. Achine yadua. It is known, and is known from the Zohar. There is the light that fills the worlds and the light that surrounds the worlds. 
The explanation for what does it mean, the light that fills the worlds. This is referring to an aspect of God's revelation, which is drawn down to the creations, to give them life, from the ten utterances that God used to create the world, or let there be light, the words of God are standing in the heaven, God used his speech, to give individualized, unique life to every single creation. This light gets enclosed into the inner being of the creations. And when we say when we say that it's something that's internalized, we also mean that it's revealed. So in a revealed way, literally within them, it's drawn down within them to give them life. It's a light that gets divided up. To enliven and give life to every single creation according to how much it can handle. So in a physical example for this idea is, we see, in the four categories of living, of creations, there is, means inanimate objects, Someach is plants, vegetation, Chai are animals, or the animal kingdom, and Madaber are human beings. We see that within these four broad categories of creation, we see shahadomem, that within inanimate objects, hagam even though they're also being brought into being and created, gam ken also from the ten utterances of God, and drawn down into inanimate objects, gam ken chayot elokut, also a godly energy, from the same utterance, from the same speech of God, as life and godliness has been drawn down into vegetation and into animals. So the same words that God used are being used to give light to inanimate objects as are being given give life to vegetation as it give life to animals. The life that exists within an inanimate object is way, way, way less than the life force and energy that's invested within animals, within vegetation, within people. Vegetation has even more life within it. And the animal kingdom has even more life within it than the plants, so it has more revealed godly energy, enlivening it and bringing it to being. And people, you tear even more. So just as we see in the physical world, that even though God used his speech to bring things into being, his speech gave a certain element of life to inanimate objects, which is a lesser amount of life than it gave to vegetation, which is a lesser amount than it gave to the animal kingdom, which is a lesser amount than it gave to people. Do you guys get the analogy? That within the world, we see that there are different creations and that have different amount of godly energy which is referring to this aspect of mamale that gives a different amount of energy to creation depending on how much it can handle so a rock gets more gets less sustenance than a human being right but it's coming from the same place it's coming from the 10 utterances of god but the reason is it, it splits itself up and it individualizes the light depending on the recipient so just like this example we see the same expression of God's mamalekal omen in the spiritual worlds. In the spiritual worlds, there are many, many, many levels. Many levels. And in each level, we're talking about a different amount of godly revelation, a different amount of access to tapping into the truth of God. 
To each world, to each level, to each angel, there is a different amount of energy of life that's drawn down. Venivdal, and it's separate from the energy which is drawn down to his fellow, to the other. So within the physical world, we see that there's a distinction between how much life is received, depending if it's a rock, if it's a person, if it's a book, etc. And the spiritual world has the same thing. Depending on what level a creation finds itself in the spiritual world, it's receiving a different amount of light. And the, the light that they're getting is the, um, um, like the light that, that fills the world? Yes, the mamale kol almen. So this is an example for mamale kol almen. That, that there's a light that individually gives to even each the angels, day. they get mamale? Yes. Yes. So we all get sovev equally, like angels, the sun, people, rocks, they're all getting sovev equally. It's this, it's this underlying current of energy that allows creation as a general whole to exist. And then there's the individualized light that gives each creation an individual energy based on its capacity and its ability. And so within the angels, there are so many levels. What does, defines one angel from another? Well, it depends on how much godly light has been invested within it. Um, and there are many, many levels within that. Does each person also get individual? Or? Yes, as in individual, as in it's split up, right? right? Like everyone's soul has been split up from one place where it was one, and now it's been divided up, so to speak. Um, and there are levels. Some people's souls come from higher places than other people's souls. Yep, and we don't know. We don't know the source of other yeah. people's souls. So that's one of the sources for the Alter Rebbe, which is that we have to love our fellow Jew. Like, ever see everyone as equal. It's like, how can I see everyone as equal? He's doing way worse things than me. It's like, you have no idea his potential. Like, right. you have no idea where his soul comes how from. How do you know for yourself, like, what? What your source is? So the only re- way you could is if you got so incredibly spiritual and tuned in that you eventually hit a ceiling. Because we all have like a ceiling, like a limit. We don't ever get there. <laughs> like, like halavai that we should get to our spiritual sea. It's way, it's way up there. It's a spiritual concept. Um, we, we, we don't know. It doesn't, tr- it doesn't really make much of a difference. It does because I need to know what's expected of me. Ah, so God told us what's expected of us. What's expected of us is to learn Torah according to our intellect and to do mitzvahs like God told us. And every single soul, no matter where it comes from, has the ability to do that. Yeah, but like, what if I'm supposed to be some kind of like, I don't know, big person? How do I know? When you say big person, what do you mean by that? Like an influencer? I mean, for no, like, no, no. yeah. Like to spread, to like, I don't know, care and make people, or just like be a relative, like do the, like, so that that has nothing to do with the root source of your soul nothing like you can be it says that there are some souls that are very very lofty and they're born into lives where they never even know like and there are some souls that are lower and they're big people like it's not it's not something that hinders our life down here in any way uh, uh, once we get to like extreme levels of service of God, which are detailed in Tanya in different places, where we basically, we read those chapters and we're like, good for you. Like, good for those people who, who you know, got to a level where they're a Bainani, they never ever sinned, and then they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed to God to make them a tzaddik, and maybe God made them, and maybe God didn't, depending on the roots, you know, depending on where they're salt. We don't have those issues, okay? Whether or not we're supposed to be... Um, 
helping other people, influencing other people, we're all expected to do that. How that looks is different. Many times someone could be a Robertson and they're influencing people way less than somebody who's working in high tech in an office, but they happen to bring their tefillin with them every day. Like, that is a very individualized thing and it has nothing to do with the root source of your soul. So you don't have to worry about that, I promise. <laughs> it's just scary to think about maybe I'm not who I am. My soul is. Maybe. So, so our souls all come from literally being a piece of God, a piece of God's essence, totally like, totally pure, untouched. And then every single soul comes down through this entire process of the order of descent, through the spiritual worlds, and each soul gets kind of um, influenced by a different level as it descends. And there are many, 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 many spiritual levels. Like it says. Uh, infinite amount of spiritual levels. So every single soul kind of, as it's taking the trip down here, gets influenced by different levels on a, in a spiritual way. Um, and then it comes down here. But the source of all of our souls is the same. And we don't, the Altarabi clearly says, like we don't know the root source of, of other people's souls and of our own soul. And so it's not something that um, influences the actions of our life. That makes sense. Don't have to worry about it. Don't worry about it. It makes sense. Just, <laughs> just like we, like many of us, don't know what tribes we come from. We don't know, you know, those have influence on the characteristics of like we don't know a lot of things, uh, but we do know that when God commanded us to do something, He also gives us the power to do it, and then we have to take that and channel it in the direction of our life that works. Right. Okay. Don't be too worried. Look, you look worried. <laughs> don't be worried. <laughs> You're good. Um, and none of us ever really know what is in store for us, even if we look like we're set up somewhere. We don't know. We've got to trust God. Easiest, I'm saying it as if I... <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's finish inside um, about Mamale. So we said there are many, many levels also in the spiritual world. The Hainu, this is the page 12, second paragraph. This comes from God's level of kingship. You guys are probably learning about God's level of kingship is in relation to Rosh Hashanah and how we're trying to draw God's malchus down into the world. So this level of malchus, the aspect and element of God that relates to the world, God being the king and us being his people, his nation, that's the source, that's where mamalikol omen comes from. It's from the place where God relates to the world and acknowledges the existence of the world enough that it can start to split up his energy and say, I'm giving you this much and I'm giving you, you this much. Uh, I'm giving, you know, I'm going to give, let's say, like my ministers a certain amount of um, uh, rights and these people a certain amount of this and these people will live here. It's hard to delegate and see the world in a much closer way as a king sees his, as a king sees his nation. That comes from God's malchus. Which is also called Mamalekal Omen, the source of this light. Which truly invests itself within the world. It's so involved with the world that it's able to split up its light and give based on creation. We're going to see Sovev is so far away from the world that it just gives everything equally. Like if you go up in an airplane and you look down, and like trees and mountains and cars, they all look just the same thing. Right? You're so far away. So Sovev is so far away. Malchus, God's Malchus is very involved. It's God as he's a king over his nation. It's involved in the world. That's why it depends. Malchus depends on us wanting Malchus to be drawn down and the whole story of Rosh Hashanah. Sovev Kalalmen is not affected as much at all. It's, it's in connection with the world. It's giving life, but it's not, as, um, it's not as influenced and therefore just gives everything 
equally to everybody. So we'll finish reading about Soviv inside tomorrow and we're going to connect. And tomorrow I'm not going to give you any spiel. We're going to go. Okay, get ready. Um, we're going to connect this idea of Mamali and Soviv with Torah and mitzvahs and see where the source of those come from and what's expected of us when it comes to Torah, when it comes to mitzvahs and why. And then we'll see where Teshuvah falls in. Okay. Sorry for going over time again. I apologize. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much.